0: Thank you, Jill. I have to give it to God. God is always surprising me, handing me the truly unexpected. You know, on the one hand, God deals in the spectacular, the mysterious, the majestic, the fantastic. But also in the way God reveals God's nature and plans With the simple, the unadorned, and the small, the oh-so-very-small. Look at the Christmas story. I mean, it is epic. There are angels flying all around, making proclamations and announcements, magi traveling great distances from the east with spectacular gifts guided by a magnificent celestial occurrence. The heavens and the earth rejoice. The word became flesh, and Emmanuel arrived on the scene. And God with us came in the most spectacular, over-the-top, inconceivable way. In a tiny, delicate, helpless, dependent, and fragile creature a newborn child. I have to give it to you, God. That was pretty unexpected, even from you. For unto us a Savior was born, not created, crafted, or delivered in a fully complete specimen ready to fulfill the prophecies of old, not strong, not militant, royal, or inherently strong. No, our salvation, our Savior of the world, came as a baby, an infant, a helpless child in the night. That is how you came to us, God. And yet I can understand the allure of a child. It is something that I know intimately because I am a mother myself three times over. The supreme feelings of love and joy and hope that accompanies the birth of a child. I understand. But you need not be a parent to appreciate this feeling. A newborn child, when cradled in your arms, almost takes your breath away. You feel like your heart is going to burst. There are so many emotions you're feeling, and one of them is this sense that in this tiny little creature that cannot utter a word or fend for himself, that one day this child might do something wonderful, something grand, important, fulfilling, and that perhaps this child might even improve the lives of others. For when you gaze at a still and sleeping newborn child, you have the distinct sense of hope. In a world of chaos and disruption and corruption, this child is a clean slate. This babe has the whole wonderful future ahead of them. Anything and everything is possible. And I know that even now I should be past it. My children, ages four, almost eight, and 20 years old. But a newborn baby can stop me in my tracks When I'm at the store or a park or an event and I see a little baby, I almost always say something like, oh my goodness, isn't that baby so cute? It's involuntary. I can't help it. And I don't just say it to myself. I usually say it out loud for everybody to hear. Admit it. Lots of you do that same thing too. Oftentimes my kids and I will stop and we'll point and we'll say, oh, did you see that little baby over there? And if the parent seems approachable, we might go in for a closer look. And then we ooh and awe the little darling. The parents' faces beaming with pride. I remember those days when my children were quite small. Strangers coming up to me telling me how precious my children were. Boy, those days are long gone, aren't they? I didn't write that. Okay, we we are a baby crazy culture here in America. We have a whole industry built around babies and their care and their need. Baby showers, gender reveal parties, birth announcements, the list goes on and on. And even though we love our babies and children and we see in them the hope and the future, we still very much know their limitations and know that their future is contingent on so many factors out of our control. At the end of the day, We look to the adults to fix our big problems, to big people to save the day. In Jesus' time, there was not such a generous outpouring of affection and attention to infants and children. It's a little-known fact that women and children did not have the same rights or status as adult males had. And while it's hard for us to imagine, because we really love babies, but due to infant mortality rates and different cultural norms, Infants were not cherished the way that they are today. Overall, infants carried very little value in their time. With all of this as our backdrop, can you picture how truly incredible the encounter was between the old man named Simeon and Mary and Joseph in the temple? You'll recall from our scriptures this morning that Mary and Joseph were devout and law-abiding parents fulfilling their obligation to present Jesus to the Lord at the temple 40 days after his birth and to provide the required sacrifice, being that he was the firstborn male. All of those things were obligatory, ordinary, they were expected, and Mary and Joseph were being dutiful Jewish parents. But what occurred when the elderly Simeon saw the infant Jesus in the temple was a totally unscripted, spontaneous, spirit-moving, and unexpected declaration that he, Simeon, had in fact seen with his own eyes the salvation of the entire world for both Jews and for Gentiles in this little, tiny baby. I hope that you can fully appreciate how implausible it was that when Simeon's eyes found Jesus, not Jesus the man, but Jesus the baby, he had seen the promised Savior of the world. The scriptures tell us that Simeon took Jesus in his arms and he praised God and he said, Now, Master, let your servant go in peace according to your word. Because my eyes have seen your salvation, you prepared this salvation in the presence of all peoples. It's a light for revelation to the Gentiles and a glory for your people, Israel. Simeon was literally drawn to baby Jesus in the temple by the Holy Spirit. And when he finally encountered Jesus, he found such incredible comfort in the knowledge that God fulfilled his promise to send a savior, Simeon knew that he could die in peace. A promise he had waited his whole life for had finally come to fruition. For new parents, Mary and Joseph, this was just further, if not unexpected, confirmation that their child was special just as the angels of the Lord had announced to them during Mary's pregnancy. But now, it was the joyful affirmation of an old man, just an everyday person, who could see that their baby really was amazing at what this child would mean to the world. I just find that amazing. Now, let me make a sidebar here real quick for those that you know me. Though I like to do these. How many of you were rejoicing and jumping for joy that Christmas Day fell on a Sunday? (laughs) Any of you drained and overwhelmed from the days and weeks of festivities leading up to this morning? Are there any of you out there just a little bit tired? The way we celebrate Christmas anymore, it's exhausting. Honestly, the whole thing can be a blur. And I don't know about you and your life and your schedule and your traditions, but it's a lot sometimes. And in the midst of it all, it's like we miss what Simeon saw something so wonderful, so powerful, so overwhelmingly complete that we are astounded. We are filled with joy and gratitude. Is that what we're feeling? I sometimes think that we're looking for Christmas in some grand gesture, the right gift, the large spread of food and the perfect decorations. That sometimes we miss the small and powerful moments of the season. The savior of the world is missed in all the grandiose. Could we take a cue from Simeon this Christmas day? and eagerly announce to the world what we've seen, what we know to be true, that a Savior has been born unto us, can we just stop in our tracks, in our preparations and our expectations, and just let the Holy Spirit lead us to the small, humble child this Christmas day so that we might proclaim in a big and bold and glorious way The Savior of the world has arrived this Christmas day. Yes, I have to hand it to you, God. You really knew what you were doing. A baby. When you came, you humbled yourself. You sent us a vulnerable child. Yet you sent us peace. You sent us hope. You sent us love. You sent us your son, Jesus the Savior of the world, the most magnificent gift for all of humanity, enveloped in the soft and delicate flesh of a tiny, helpless infant.